0: Whether you're a polyamateur or polyambitious, polyambiguous or polyam, I really hold your head high, let your freaky flag fly, cause your polyamory should be
1: uncensored. Hi there, and welcome to Polyamory Uncensored, a podcast where we, your hosts, Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams, interview a poly person each episode and we try to answer the five points of journalism, who, what, when, where, and why, as it pertains to our poly lives. Hi there, you're listening to episode 83, where we're chatting with Sam today. Stay tuned as we delve into the good, the bad, the ugly, and the just plain complicated truths of our poly lives. All right. So, Sam, who are you?
0: Who am I? Mm-hmm. Uh, I am an animate object of carbon, primarily, uh, with, you know, emotions and uh, complicated and simplistic uh, inner movements.
1: Cool. Do you have any labels or how do you identify that you, that you like to use?
0: Uh, I recently labeled myself as non-binary, but I feel like that even that is too much of a label. I feel more like a spiritual entity having a human experience, I suppose. Although I feel overly human as of late, so I'm trying to get more back to that upper level. Or I'm not sure if it's up or down or where it is, but that's where I'm heading. How do you do that? Oh, I mean, breathing helps. Focusing on breathing, Just, uh, getting away from letting uh, certain triggers sort of retreat me into uh, certain parts of my body that you know can feel a defense me- like a defense mechanism but once I'm in that like uh, hideaway it's actually worse and like uh, the anxiety can get worse uh, upon retreat so it can be tricky' I forgot what the question was already. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, mostly just how do you identify? Uh, and one of the um, like subsets of that is also like, how do you identify in the poly realm?
0: Uh, I suppose I identify as sort of ambi-amorous. Uh, I'm very career oriented. So my joke is that my career is my primary. And so that's my main focus. And like having that focus has disrupted my other relationships. So it is like primary relationship for me. Um, So, yeah, I identify as workaholic. (laughs) And, yeah, I I guess I don't try to identify too heavily in any regard. Uh, If people want to know how I categorize myself or how I could be categorized, I'll let them know. But Mm -hmm. other than that, I don't see the need to delve too deep into it, I guess. I guess it helps when talking to other people in terms of how my behavior is and how I react to things is important. Um, so I will delve into those aspects as far as, you know, I'm open to meeting other people's partners or not meeting them or talking about this or that or whatever. would be easygoing. So but then I also get kind of reclusive into my work and stuff.
1: Well, what does polyamory mean to you?
0: Life with less limitations. I see it as being able to live, Multiple lives instead of one singular life, I suppose. So instead of like latching onto one person that I can live life with many people in one life or <laughs> or however many lives we have.
1: What drew you to polyamory?
0: Uh, originally, I think it was just uh, my two for my two my first girlfriend cheated on me, and then my second girlfriend had cheated on me. Uh, been like the first month of us dating so it was a weird gray area and then we kept dating and so I think it became within that relationship we just dated for four and a half years and then as it went by we just found that it sort of had slowly turned into a friends with benefits sort of situation or if we weren't dating somebody else we'd be dating each other so we just kind of became these we were just excellent friends and, and we would hang out like every other day at least And it just sort of organically turned into this poly thing where she was talking to me about all the people that she was dating. And then I sometimes would go meet them, see how they were, and hang out with them. And so it just sort of organically grew into a, like, semi-open relationship. Then from there, I kind of bounced between being monogamous and poly, depending on my attention span (laughs) and time. So I'll, I'll go through modes of like, you know, juggling too many people is, is too much for me right now. And so I'll stick with like one person. Occasionally I've given out contracts where it's like, I've got a year contract with you and I won't be looking at anybody else. But after that contract, up. you know.
1: All bets are off. Yeah. yeah. All
0: bets are off. We'll have to renegotiate.
1: Is there anything you find particularly difficult about polyamory?
0: I guess having it be with human beings that's probably the hard part. <laughs> Everyone, you know, wishes to talk a good game or wishes, like, they could be... So I've been in situations where people are like, I'm 100% okay with you being polyamorous. And then two weeks later, it's, the sky is falling. I'm just like, it's okay. Like, we can just keep talking about it. Like, I'm up for negotiation. So I've had that happen a, a number of times where people say they're okay with it and then they are not okay with it it's like that's the biggest thing that kind of comes up because um, it just seems like unavoidable no matter how much i preface things or talk about things beforehand or and i think people just want to be that strong or appear that strong and then they're human beings so uh, <laughs> so i think other people or my just people in general inability to maybe fully grasp their humanity all the time which i don't expect them to uh, either so, uh, so it's not necessarily hard at this point. It's just surprising if it gets really out of hand. I had one person recently, you know, they were just they having like three times where they reacted really poorly to me mentioning being polyamorous sometimes, and then I got like a flood of texts. And then, but we had already talked about being friends with benefits, so it was like a surprise to them. But I was like, did I? because i thought we were on the same page and then all of a sudden we weren't and then that happened like two more times and each time it escalated into uh, a bigger explosion to the point where they just cut off all contact with me uh but then two months later they recontacted me and then we restarted the relationship and there's been no problems oh (laughs) Uh, so it's just strange how i mean it's just human beings are constantly and kind of in flux and mutating and evolving on you and you don't know how it's going to go, they don't know how it's going to go. And so, just that natural, just the natural flux of, of matter and time, I think, is an issue. But so it, it's to be expected, but it can be very difficult.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a natural occurring issue, but still an issue. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah. It's like the weather. I kind of related to the weather. It's just a weather pattern. <laughs> Inside, we're all just these, like, these moving clouds.
1: So, when did you like discover or find out that you were poly or start identifying that way?
0: Um, probably pretty early on in the second. My first like real relationship, which was that second person I was dating. Um, I just, you know, I know I, you know, I grew up in a very open household, and we were very open about talking about everything, never placing any sort of like negative feelings on anything. So we're openly. know we never talked about open relationships or anything but it was just a very guilt-free upbringing so and very open to exploratoriness. and so i think that openness in my upbringing that's just general openness and exploratoriness. i think blended easily into like uh into it sort of uh, letting things flow as they may kind of vibe and so i think I think it was just a matter of also just honesty where in the relationship it was just like, Hey, I'm thinking about other women and I don't want to like keep that from you and like trying to be able to talk about things out loud like that. Um, And yeah, I think in part because I was cheated on twice, it was difficult for me to trust people. And so it was difficult to get into one relationship. And as I kept doing it, I found that it was nice to have like, another person to rely on if one person drops out and vanishes on you or the relationship falls apart, that I was overly sensitive and it'd be very difficult for me to go through that. Um, and if, but if I had another person, um, then it wouldn't be as difficult. Uh, and so it was kind of emotionally protective based, uh, as well. And those are things I guess I realized very early on in probably that second relationship, uh, being a very damaged individual. Uh,
1: were you like really young, like high school or early college, or how old are we talking?
0: Uh, second relationship, I was like 19. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, so pretty young, I guess. Uh, but we dated for four and a half years. Uh, the first two years, we were pretty just monogamous, and then there was a period where she wanted to become celibate because she felt she was overly sexual. Uh, in her day, she was slightly older than me. She was three years older or something, two year and a half. And so I, at that point, she was like, I want to be celibate. And I was like, I really need to have sex. With... <laughs> like It's very healing to me.
1: Right. The act uh, of being celibate or, or claiming that doesn't also extend over your partner, or at least it shouldn't, right? Like, if I'm going to be celibate, that has nothing to do with my partner. That has something to do with me. That's my own personal boundary. So, yeah, it makes sense. Like, oh, that's <laughs> how do you continue a... Romantic entanglement with someone when you're like, yeah, well, I'm, I'm making this choice for myself, but that doesn't mean you too, right? Well, hopefully, maybe yeah, some people do yeah. feel I
0: mean, I, mean um, I entertained the idea, and I think I did it for a little while, um, which was fine, you know. But if, I was like, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll stay celibate as long as I can, and, and but I'll still be like, most likely, like talking to people or trying to go on dates here and there and stuff. But so I respected it, but I truthful about where i was too
1: sure so when if ever have you felt different from other people
0: always i guess yeah yeah
1: you said you grew up in a really open household
0: yeah like we never we went to church like a little bit but we never talked about it i think we went to church because their parents went to church but Mm -hmm. they were not overly religious in any way my dad was more had more uh, Buddhist or Zen philosophies, and my mom was always studying different religions. And um, you know, there was no really no Christian uh, rhetoric being spouted. Occasionally, we'd read some stuff around Christmas time, just because it was Christmas. But mm-hmm. it was never like we are Christians. But I think beyond that, um, I think there was just an innate something innately different about us, just internally or genetically as well like even if we were brought up in that household we probably would have rejected it anyways like you know a lot of people too
1: mm-hmm.
0: so uh, but yeah everyone's different i guess though but yeah <laughs> as far as rejecting common society that was kind of a given both my parents were pretty you know they're like yeah regular school kind of sucks <laughs> like, they just kind of make you go through the motions and like you know uh, College is what it used to be, and like kind of have to carve your own paths and stuff. So, they were kind of keen to the bullshit already. And so, we we're they were always talking about alternative like school styles and different stuff. And just like, yeah, like planet Earth is not what it should be, it kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, when your parents are different, you're bound to feel a little different too, I, I assume. Um. My parents kind were also kind of that like Easter Easter, Christmas Christians where like we never talked about religion except if we were going to their, you know, like my aunt and uncle's house and they like said grace before dinner. And I was like, I don't know what this means. I don't know what this means. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> We don't do this, you know? Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. I definitely have done that. Or I, or I went to communion by accident a couple of times just because I thought I was supposed to. And i like uh it was like a little cousin's like communion and she was like you're not supposed to do that and i was like god will forgive me <laughs>
1: yeah. how am i supposed I like, to know Yeah, I, know, sorry, I don't know like yeah. me, me,
0: we gotta thank god oh, me and me and me, 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 me and god or whatever but yeah my parents are different my, my dad's a child psychiatrist and then my mom is you know she's kind of a teacher i guess she did like special ed and stuff like that she uh She's still a lot of religions, <laughs> Eastern religions too. Yeah.
1: So where are you in your poly journey?
0: Um, right now I'm in a lot of sort of, I'm in kind of a hyper poly mode, I guess. So I'm dating like three-ish people and then I keep adding more for some reason. Can't <laughs> seem to stop or don't seem need to. So it kind of sucks where, you know, I don't like just like sleeping with people a couple of times and then, the relationship sort of parts, but just in the natural course of meeting new people, that happens. Um, but I always generally maintain, you know, uh, a openness to like helping with the real shit. So if people are having really bad problems or emotional issues that they need to talk about, I'm always available to any of my partners that I've been with. Unless they go completely off the rails, then I can't. Uh, yeah can't help but that's only happened like once so it's not too bad but yeah I'm at a place where I'm delving more into many partners or multiple partners never really done any group stuff but I have an anxiety disorder that prevents me from uh, delving too much into the sexual realm as much as I'd like Uh, so that's a big problem that I'm sort of working on right now.
1: Well, and that's actually our next question. Where do you hope to go in your poly journey?
0: Yeah, I guess it's more yeah, trying to heal old wounds through sexuality. So there's too much of an association there. and um, So I will have anxiety attacks. You know, it hasn't been an issue for a while. It just kind of popped up in the last few days or so. Uh, I just get really spun out if I meet someone that's really attractive and they're attracted to me and then I get, really anxious about it, and then I feel like I'm going to mess it up, and then because I have anxiety attacks, that it tends to mess it up, so it becomes a uh, sort of self-fulfilling prophecy, it mm-hmm. kind of sprawls out of control sometimes, uh, and I was doing really well for like the last two years, it just kind of popped up recently, uh, so I'm working on that right now, uh, it's just very difficult, but... You know I have, I have ways to deal with it just just has to take things slower is all. Well. it's generally all it takes um but yeah i guess that's one thing it's just helpful when there's multiple people in the mix and so if i mess up one uh or or if it just doesn't work out that you know i can kind of just brush it off and, and keep going forward with some other people so, so i guess that's where i am
1: so why are you Polly?
0: i am my Polly. I mean, it's for all those reasons I think I've mentioned already where it's just uh, more protective of my emotional state that I feel like I've got more of a support system, I guess, multiple points of support uh, and exploration. Um, Yeah, I tend to get, uh, if I'm monogamous, like I tend to feel claustrophobic. That's generally what I tell people who are monogamous or not experienced polyamory that just like. Sometimes I just have to say, you know, like, it's an open relationship. Otherwise, I can trip out about it. And it definitely feels like claustrophobia, where I just, there's just, every so often, I just feel like I start breathing heavily and just like, like, oh, no, I'm going to have to, like, break up with this person. I meet someone and I have a really hard time, like, sometimes breaking up with people. It just feels like the world's ending or, or I just, like, really don't, like, hurting people. And so it just blends into that aspect of my being uh that people who are poly are a little more open to people being transient or you know they're not a hundred percent reliant on you being around all the time so it's just more of, you know it's more free form as far as expectations
1: sure yeah uh and then our last question is just why did you agree to be interviewed for our podcast
0: uh, well, you're really nice, Lindsay. You do so much work with all the poly community without drinking or seeming to ask very much in return. So I felt somewhat of a duty to like repay you. I guess <laughs> <laughs> you just do so much without, you know, this just seems like your natural state. But I've been there working hard. The, uh, I guess I don't know. I wouldn't know. I don't know you that well. though. So.
1: Yeah. No. I mean. Uh, yeah. I had. I had called like a. I had made a little image uh, that I shared with my local poly group. I might have shared it and I shared it publicly on the Polyamory Uncensored Facebook page and maybe a couple Facebook groups. I'm not really sure because I didn't want to get inundated with responses, but I also was like, hey, we would love more guests and you know varied guests. And that did get like shared in an international group, which was interesting because our last episode that we recorded last week was from a guy in the UK, which was really fun and then uh, we got a couple other response from people in the UK and from all over and then a bunch of people in our own local community so that they'd be interested as well. so yeah, it's gonna be interesting and i'm I'm gonna be like scheduling scheduling them out almost months in advance now, which is really Hi. odd to me because um there has been many a podcast where I will, get up in the morning and be like, oh, it's Sunday. Um, <laughs> I'm supposed to publish a podcast today, much less like ask someone to, you know, be on the podcast. And I just make a mad dash, you know, in the local community, like, hey, anyone want to be interviewed today? Just got anyone got something to talk about? Like, this will be really fun. I promise. <laughs> so it's so funny to have actually like, I don't know, like it's a like it's a real business, but or it was for the longest time just a hobby that I was doing for myself. And now we actually have listeners. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay, <laughs>
0: cool. Aww.
1: I should like <laughs> maybe do a little work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. It grows uh, on you you're not
1: looking. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I always appreciate when people are willing to come on. Because again, like with Polly and t- discussions of Polly, like sometimes people are afraid to talk about it or, or they just don't want to come out of the closet. You know, there was one person who was like, I have a lot to say, but my voice is too recognizable. I can't be on a podcast. <laughs> I was like, that's fair, I guess. That's interesting.
0: You're one of those voice changers, maybe.
1: Yeah, like we could <laughs> speed the voice up a bit or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, that sounds like an editing nightmare. But
0: <laughs>
1: <It does. laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> we're going to go on a quick break and we will be right back. Interested in more Polyamory Uncensored content? You're in luck. We just started a blog, polyamoryuncensored.wordpress.com. We're going to be showcasing stuff like episode breakdowns, polyamory and ethical non monogamy related book reviews, and guest posts from authors like you. If you'd like to be a guest author, contact us at, at gmail.com and you might be able to see your work up on our website. Again, that's polyamoransensor.wordpress.com, and we're going to have some fun, new poly-related content for you. Thanks. See you there. All right, we are back with Sam and we're going to talk about the Zen of polyamory today. So just to start us off for folks who don't really know or maybe aren't uh, aware, like what is Zen? What does that mean?
0: Uh, zen is... Um... As they say, it's not a religion. It's a it's a method of liberation, and so it's a methodology that goes into letting go and embracing the flow of the universe, and you know, decreasing from attachment, understanding that we are not born into the universe. We are uh, we are the universe, and so a lot of what they talk about in then is, you know, you're like a leaf that is comes off of a tree. You're not this object that gets like shot out in space, you know, and that you're just floating around trying to figure things out. That you're made up of the fabric of the universe, the same matter as everything, and you're the universe experiencing itself, uh, and that it's something to feel gratitude for, uh, even with all the pain. You know, the pain is just, you know, part of the joy. So those all feed into each other and they're not separate experiences.
1: And how do you think your Zen or like the, the mindset that you have with Zen uh, relates to polyamory?
0: I find that it helps with all things, but especially with poly, it feels more like that where each person isn't necessarily a separate person. It's just a different form of the universe uh expressing itself uh so or like you know with monogamy there's a lot more attachment based in the relationship where polyamory is sort of unattached based relationship or security through unattachment versus security through attachment so i find more security through not such a strict attachment more of like an astral spiritual connection and so Finding connection versus attachment, I guess, would be one way to put it. Um, and then the ability to, you know, connect and disconnect on sort of at will, I think, is a without pain or, or anguish, is I think a big part of it for me. Uh, or letting people into your life, you have to let them go just as easily. Uh, so I feel like feels more. Polyamory feels more like how the universe moves and how the universe flows, where things grow, things die, things grow, things die. Uh, you know, come together and they explode or, you know, new chemicals are formed out of thin air and then, you know, chemistry begins to happen and then the chemical reaction fades. But with that new form, you can create something else. So things, how things flow into each other and with and without each other and just the movement. Movements, I think there's more movement and flow of energy within polyamory where uh, monogamy feels a little more like mirror mirroristic, uh, sort of the bouncing of energy back and forth that multiplies. Whereas uh, in polyamory, you have a multi mirrored system, it's bouncing light everywhere. Uh, I'm going to stop talking there okay
1: well i mean i guess when i think of people who are very zen i think of like calm and collected people and um but so my my first instinct was like do you ever fight <laughs> are you are you so zen that you don't fight
0: uh very rarely i do fight i do not fight i have only fought i've had girlfriends get upset at me because i'm not fighting back with them mm. like, why aren't you fighting back i'm like i uh, rather not. Mm-hmm. I would rather talk about her feelings but I think there's a couple times where I was in a relationship with somebody that had a very traumatic past, very traumatic past and so at a certain point, you know, they're just not capable of expressing themselves without being kind of aggressive and so at certain points you do have to be aggressive back to kind of break through that uh, and so I'm in the film industry and I'm an actor. And so I can kind of shift into that mode, act that part, break through, and then immediately shed it and get back to that Zen point. So uh, so I'm able to back the part when necessary, because sometimes it is necessary, unfortunately, but I generally do not go into that. I just ask questions. Why do you feel that way? What did I do wrong? I apologize. So I generally, there's really only three people that I've like sort of had a fight with. And one of them, it was just this one occurrence and they were just like deliberately getting under my skin. And, uh, but then the other two, they just like to fight. I, and that was the, f- the second girlfriend that I ever had. She just liked to fight. And she was the one that was like, why aren't you? <laughs> she just got mad at me, even more mad at me because I wasn't fighting with her. Uh, and then the other one was just emotionally traumatic situation. But otherwise, yeah, I don't, I don't really take the bait and I would rather delve into what's behind what they're saying. Cause there's always something behind it. Like, you know, did something happen today? It's something I usually say, or, or how are you feeling? Or is there anything else on your mind? So like redirect, redirect conversations to other realms. I wonder if that's uh, kind yeah. of
1: that toxic monogamy culture that kind of ingrains in us that like fighting is almost healthy. Like, and I don't think fighting is healthy, right? Communication is healthy. And obviously, sometimes people are so impassioned that their communication is loud, (laughs) or whatever. But, um, but like, yeah, I feel like I, I remember watching a stupid romantic comedy in the like early two thousands, and this it was kind of a love triangle, um, you know, uh, plot device. And one, the guy who ended up being the guy she was with was like, your partner never fights with you you guys never get in any fights and she was like i know that's what makes it perfect and he's like no because he doesn't care about you he doesn't care enough about you to fight you and i was like (laughs) i don't like that (laughs) i was like wait a minute yeah i don't think that's a good like metric to go by (laughs) that's that's dumb (laughs)
0: but it's called compromising you love a person enough to compromise and it's not really a compromise is it you know
1: yeah
0: i think like in part like movies and television and dramatic things do start to seep into our lives and to like, think that it's a natural part of what needs to happen. And, you know, and just like being emotionally uh, mature, it does not lend itself well to drama, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, people are always fighting and and stuff like that. Yeah.
1: Well, and that was another question I had, like, how do you maintain your, your Zen when, in the throes of like a kind of dramatic or tense situation like how do you maintain balance i guess
0: um yeah i mean it's it's, it's i don't take it personally i just try to, some of this person is in pain and they're confused about it uh and i have made played a part in it in some way and so we just need to kind of get to the core of it and not make things worse you know if i just start arguing Take it personally it's just gonna make everything worse and things are just gonna explode you know or if things start to go that way you just kind of have to walk away leave the house i've done that more than once because like i don't feel like this conversation is being productive it seems to be escalating with you know and i too and i'm becoming stressed out about it like i'm gonna need to just leave you know but uh yeah and so um you know I, there's times where i my cool but it's but it's in a way that's respectful and you know I'm more firm than angry where it's just like you don't get to talk to you know we should not or I try to use we a lot instead of this you like we shouldn't be talking like this mm-hmm. we I don't you know or like can we just take a step back and, and try to calm down a little so I mean there's a lot of so you just have to have a lot of different ways to maneuver it um but then I, you know, I can just feel myself getting stressed out and I'm and then I just kinda hit the abort button. Or or get out, payday, just get out, just get out. Because like it's not going anywhere good, you know. And so but it's difficult when the other person like needs to explode, like that's their healing process, is that they need to yell until they explode and and, and it's and so it's like oddly like you need to be there for them while they explode but like i can't handle it emotionally so mm-hmm. um so yeah it gets obviously it's it tricky doesn't i've only had it happen like five times or something in my entire life where it got a little out of hand but even then it wasn't anything that could not be you know i've never had a relationship just end. I've you know i always make the point of coming back and even if that means coming back and saying you know this i don't this relationship is healthy for either of us you know, to maintain. So I'm on good terms with everybody I've ever dated. And so I could go and talk to any one of them or they could talk to me. And so I've that's been sort of... A, so it's good to have a mission behind, uh, a higher mission at all times, so you don't get pulled down into like a street fight.
1: <laughs> sure. Well, and I think that that's like a... Even just that kind of mindset is a fundamental incompatibility is... Even just if someone likes to blow up or they find that that's productive and another person is like, it's absolutely not productive for me and I can't be around it. Like I just from, you know, the trauma of growing up in a very loud yelling household where my sisters were always fighting, my parents were always fighting, my mom was always fighting with my older sister. There was a lot of yelling. And so if someone even slightly raises their voice and I'm not even talking about a partner, if a customer at my job raises their voice to me, I'm done. I'm like, I'm out we're done. This conversation's over. I'm going in the back room Um, or if a partner has ever, like, again, I date a lot of uh people who are kind of quiet because I don't like the, I don't like the idea of someone yelling at me. So I know that going into a relationship and I make it very clear that like, I, people can't yell around me. It's like, it's unacceptable behavior. It's never productive. And I just don't want to be around it. And so if I were to date someone very loud and yelly and who thinks that that's going to be a, a productive conversation, right. It would, it just, I don't think it would be a compatible relationship. Right. I just think I know, would yeah. know right off the bat that that's not going to work out. Um, so I feel like that's something that like people hopefully can talk about at the beginning of a relationship and be like, yeah, this is what works for me. Yelling doesn't or <laughs> fighting or whatever, you know, like raising one's voice. Doesn't work for me. That's not going to happen in this relationship.
0: Or I love
1: yelling. You know, like I love. That's how. That's I'm passionate. I'm you know I'm loud. That's (laughs) you know like and then and maybe that's that's compatible between people too.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Just sometimes just comes down to just generally compatibility, and that's a big one for me too. Where I grew up with my mom was very abusive. She uh, had a very bad mental illness, so that was basically my training program. Um because I uh, with your mom, you can't break up with your mom. You're like, all right, well, you can. you can just be like, I disown you, peace yeah. out forever. But I'm just not that type. And so she got incredibly bad mental illness-wise. She was just kind of gone. Uh she was very abusive and would yell for like five hours, and I would just be trying to like get through to her. And so I've never come across anyone that's remotely as difficult as her and so i think that was that's sort of my baseline
1: of. yeah the, yeah i've never uh, met anyone as as loud as my family <laughs> luckily yeah so there you go <laughs> you know <laughs> it's yeah good. but my, we also had a lot of mental illness in my family my sister had um schizophrenia and bipolar and uh and Uh, bipolar personality disorder so it was just yeah there was a lot a lot of yelling a lot of broken dishes a lot of fighting a lot of calling calling the police you know and stuff like that so uh that i have and because i think i'm so adverse to conflict i also am adverse to being around people who who like drama you know or just uh or like fighting and i feel like that was yeah. their love language my mom and my sister would fight and then so, they would be best friends after
0: <laughs> Best friends yeah. yeah it's just like marshall yeah, they at least have to spar for a while and everything's mm-hmm. fine but just like i it just bewilders me and it just trips me out on no level where it's just like that's ah, not healthy guys
1: but, i don't um, like it
0: <laughs> for them yeah i guess it works but yeah it's just a different culture i guess As old culture too i feel like it's kind of a Like it was definitely part of the culture, but should not. I don't believe it should be. It's both
1: should be phased out. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, be phased out. So in that upbringing, were you able to find any way to find like zen or peace within all that yourself?
1: Yeah, luckily I had, um, especially in like high school age, I had um, friends to retreat to. You know, my own bedroom that I could go to. Um, I journaled a lot. Uh, I got really into art and you know theater, and so I would I would be outside of the house doing things. Uh, eventually, my older sister moved out, so then um, she had her own place. It didn't mean that the drama didn't come home again, but you know, like she had her own space too. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh eventually I, it, the the Zen came from escaping the situation, right? Like I went to college, I moved out of the house because that drama is still happening all the time. It's just now it's two hours away. (laughs) Like, so (laughs) I don't have to deal with it. So yeah, I think uh, I was a bit of an escapist when it came to that. And I found my Zen by having my own apartment, by dating people who are very calm and collected and don't yell by, you know, uh, this self-protection of like, I mean, for the longest time, and I've talked about this on the podcast, I didn't date guys who were taller or bigger than me. Like, I only dated really small, skinny guys because I was always in this fear and this mindset that, like, men hit women. It is something that happens, it's something that will happen, and it's inevitable. And you must only date people you could take on in a fight. And so <laughs> I literally had that mindset going into dating. And for probably the first like three years of my dating life, I only dated like really small people because I was like, well, I could take him on in a fight. That's probably, I could probably, (laughs) like, it was so stupid and toxic. But then I realized that, like, honestly, being small doesn't mean you're not scrappy and will win a fight. You just have to date people who are good and who won't hit you, you know, like, like, and they exist, (laughs) right? Like, that is the thing that exists. So size actually doesn't matter at all. Like, uh, they can also be super emotionally abusive and and toxic, and that sometimes works, oh. you know. Like, cause yeah, yeah. you know, if someone hits you, that's like, oh, good, this is a like an actual physical thing and a reason to leave. But if someone is toxically manipulating you for years or whatever, you know, like it doesn't feel as as like harsh or strong enough to like end a relationship. Until you kind of recognize it and acknowledge it, right? You have to unlearn a lot of sh- bullshit from your <laughs> childhood. I have found.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, mm-hmm. it seems you have found a nice place for yourself.
1: Yes. Yeah. Like. Um. I, yeah. I have found a zen of my own. I guess. Um. With uh, having my own space, my own, and just, and I think polyamory, and I, I do agree with you that it, it does make finding zen easier, even with all of the trials and tribulations that come with poly. I think that being able to, like you said, kind of like liberated, feel like you have choice. You have, a, you have so many choices, but you, are, you have to make the choice to be with your partner and the partners that you're with every day. And you can choose not to. Like you're, There's nothing keeping me with anyone except the fact that I choose to be with them. And I love mm-hmm. that. Uh, and it does give me a peace of mind that I know... I can make a choice to leave at any point too. Like if that's the thing I need, I can choose to move out. I can choose to yeah do anything I want because we are in this, you know, I am in all of my relationships of my own free will. But I did want to ask um, kind of along those lines, does like being Zen make ending relationships or de-escalating relationships easier?
0: I think so. Yes. Um, at least for me and I guess for them in terms of, you know, I, I personally, like I never fully leave anybody where I'm always available for if everyone, anyone gets really bad or something emotionally that I'm always available. But yeah, um, yeah, I think it helps a lot just to not reacting to certain things and just always maintaining that positivity or like never taking anything personally. Whereas just like, I think I was texting someone the other day uh, I'm, I'm sort of moving to Minneapolis. So I met someone here. And then, you know, I'm like, I'm like, hey, I'm leaving for a little while, but we'll hang out when I get back. And they just had this air of like, I'm never gonna see you again. You're just like putting me on. And I was like, Do you think I'm never gonna talk to you? And they're like, and so like I was able to crack it open, and just be like just be straight and honest with them. I was like, I'm getting the feeling that you think I'm ditching you, which is like, not the case, but so like what's up, you know. And then Really briefly, it was you know it took like a minute and then we were back being good again. But so it was just like not you know when I sense the passive aggression, you know, just kind of ask about it. Is there something mm-hmm. else, you know? And so I don't not letting passive aggression sort of slide it helps a lot. Uh,
1: Which is very common in the Midwest. It's our language. <laughs>
0: passive. I guess aggression. so. Yeah, Passive aggression is so difficult. Uh, yeah, because, like, you don't even know anything's wrong because no, mm-hmm. they haven't said anything. Because everything's
1: fine. To,
0: everything's <laughs> fine, yeah. So you got to, like, pick up the breadcrumbs now and then or just wait till things get weird. Uh, but, yeah, so, yeah, I think that helps just for, you know, it helps me first. And then because I never really, I never lose control of so much that, you know, I think they sense that that's okay or that, or I always make sure that it's, you know, it's okay that they lose control or, you know, that things are in flux, and that I understand. So I'm just trying to be in this constant state of understanding that, like, if you're mad today, that's fine. If you're sad today, that's fine. Please, yes, cry in front of me. That's great. You know, don't... So this, I think it builds up to just, like, don't hide anything. Just don't hide mm-hmm. anything. Um, and, like, I can take it, like, you know, it'll move around me or it make it move through me. And, like, so... It, so for me, that's what Zen is about is being able to get everything out without too much of like a struggle or like for them to feel like they're, anything that they're feeling wrong is wrong because there's just this natural flux in our bodies or from past events. And so I think I think that blends into Zen very nicely in terms of just a feeling it'll pass. Let's talk about it. So it will pass and then we'll get back to the good stuff. So uh and it doesn't take that long to, like, talk about these things, as uh, long as you don't let them, like, build up, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I try to catch things early, catch things often.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Or I just double-check, or it's just, even if everything's fine, I just say, hey, so everything, like, everything is cool between us? Like, is there anything we want to talk about while things are, like, cool? So, mm-hmm. you know, I do check-ins like that, so, like, I don't wait around until things get weird. So I'm always sort of double-checking now and then making a little extra effort here and there
1: yeah we were actually just uh, talking on a couple episodes ago uh, multi-amory's radar which i don't know if you've i wonder if i have the what it stands for in my notes mm, i don't it's somewhere around here but um mm-hmm. it's like a check-in format you know you know you go over like your agenda and the items from that you talked about last time and what would you like to talk about this this, this session and um, what are some goals you can make for like the week or the month or however long you have them and Um, setting up your next discussion about the relationship. And even if everything is perfectly great, it's nice to have those check-ins. And after having that conversation a couple episodes ago, I was like, I'm going to do that. That's awesome. And it was really helpful. And I was like, shit, this is like a really good idea. And it also just made me like writing down a goal for the week. I was like, you know, and it was something simple. Like I'm going to clean out my closet. <laughs> <Like> it has <laughs> nothing, nothing necessarily to do with the relationship, except that we were talking about our goals at the time. And it forced me to like, oh, we're going to have this other radar check-in next Sunday. And I want to be able to say that I checked something off of my to-do list, which was cleaning out my yep. closet. So I, I I did it. So I like actually did it. Uh, and so that was, that's, it was kind of cool. So I I, th- I agree. I think having, Something that you like regularly do with a partner and with, with some format or not, you know, even just ch- talking, you know, communicating regularly, uh, but with the intent that like maybe you're going to talk about your relationship or yourself or your goals is super nice, super helpful. Yeah.
0: Just some like, yeah, therapy, just group therapy yeah. every month, basically, mm-hmm. right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and then you don't have to worry about catching subtle signals or anything.
1: Right, right. Yeah, you can leave the passive-aggressive uh, behavior behind for that one-hour conversation and just be like, just talk to my face.
0: <laughs> yeah, some real talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, right on.
1: So you had mentioned something before um, about like slowing down time, and I kind of wanted to speak to that a little bit. Like, What do you mean by slowing down time?
0: Well, there's this natural thing built in society where, you know, it's... Uh, there's a Zen philosopher, Alan Waltz, that I listened to a lot. And he was the first one that I got into. And he talks about like when you're in first grade, you're getting ready for second grade. And then second grade, you're getting ready for third grade. And then da 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 da. And so you're always getting pushed with this like momentum of progress, like make progress, make progress, make progress, make progress. Like, keep, building, keep building, keep building, keep going, keep going. And so there's this push, 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 push pushing you forward always like And then you get launched out into space after high school and then it's just like all right good luck figure it out but there's this like feeling of like being built into a rocket and just being like propelled forward and so which makes i feel like makes a lot of anxiety inside and a lot of like pressure and so there's a lot of like energy that you have and you want to do things and you want to fix things and you want things to be better 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 better. Uh, but in zen is they're all about just, like, you're already who you need to be. Uh, the biggest ego trip of all is trying to get rid of your ego or trying to think that you can fix anything and that, you know, your best intention or, you know, or is the road to hell is paved with, like, good intentions. Good intentions, so, yeah. And so just very much about just, like, stop that mentality. Just stop and just enjoy what we've been given like, from the universe and ignore this, this game of humans, you know, that we've invented and so I, you know, try to keep that and make sure that time is not moving so fast and, or that I have this innate drive to be productive, be productive, be productive. And but instead to just enjoy and instead of rushing through my day and my whole day going by in a blur, that to slow things down, you know, to rush through the day is almost like you're trying to ignore the day. You're not even, you don't want to feel the day. You just want to get through it. You know, like a lot of people say, but like no matter where you are or like what job you have, like just to be able to slow things down stretches your amount of time you will live in your life. Mm -hmm. So instead of your whole life being a blur and getting all these things done, you know, I feel that if you slow down time, you can actually get more things done because time is so slow that you can just kind of fit more things in and you can experience more things and just to stare at a tree for like a minute can change your whole outlook on the rest of your day. And just to, you know, I try to do a lot in the morning right when I wake up as a way to make sure that like things stay slow, and things are slowly moving. And so, you know, I still get caught up in like getting anxiety or having, you know, some days I do have to get things done. Um, And I have to get so many things done that it becomes a blur. But then to be able to, after that day is kind of done, is to be able to get back into that control and then slow things down again. And so I'm not just, you know, using various distractions just to kind of like zone me out, but to, I call it zenning out. So instead of zoning out, try to zen out. So just kind of, you know, it only takes a few seconds even here and there just to regain this level of consciousness that, you know, I think it has a lot to do with feeling gratitude and and positivity about where we are in our lives. If you're not feeling good about yourself, then you probably want things to just blur by. Mm -hmm. Um, But that doesn't make things better always. So I try to dismantle the illusion uh, that humans have built for each other uh, and just try to find or, or not try, but to find things that you can just appreciate. Like, I'll spend time just looking at leaves on a tree, just enjoying, like, their web pattern and, and trying to look really deep into the fabric of that. And, you know, you can see how, you know, on a leaf you can see, like, how lightning strikes and how roots form and, you know, how synapses are, are in the tree, too. And, and, yeah, I always think trees are more, like, uh like human beings have this thing, like we're the most superior animal on the face of of the planet. I'm like, trees are pretty good. Trees are, I think, are more sophisticated because they have no need for consciousness. They just are. And they just, you know, they do not have like emotional breakdowns or they don't have, they're just perfectly functional without this consciousness. You know, they just have this innate consciousness that grows and just guides itself towards the sun. So I always try to have, Trees as role models. (laughs) Uh, I feel like
1: that did make me think of like the go 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 mentality is very strong in like monogamy culture as well with the relationship escalator of like oh, do yeah. something if you meet a person you gotta like then the relationship has to be better and you have to keep going up and you have to and you have to live together and get engaged and get married have a kid do all the things and get divorced, um, get divorced. yeah right <laughs> <That's> like the, <laughs> so the next step and then do it again get yeah. on another escalator <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Uh, yeah but yeah so that makes a lot of sense with like you're like you said like jettisoned out of high school into the world and then it's like well, what you could do is you could like really you know, invest yourself into a business or a relationship and go do it and be better. Keep going, keep get, getting better or better in quotes, I guess. Right, like yeah, yeah. keep doing more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, and polyamory do. kind of breaks that a little bit. Well, it gets you off the escalator, maybe.
0: Yeah, it gets off the escalator. Yeah, where yeah the the dynamics are a little trickier in some ways where. It, things can kind of jump up and down on you,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know? The, uh, so it gets, yeah, it gets interesting, sure, where it's not, I would say it's non-linear. Most of the relationships are non-linear, where they're more like time travel, where you can kind of jump back and forward in time with polyamory relationships, where you might have an intense relationship with somebody and then kind of subsides for a while, and then all of a sudden you have a more calm connect. So just the way things move can be a little more sporadic, I guess.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: For better, for worse. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, I think this, I think it's cool to just combat the jealousy emotions and letting go of all these sort of emotions surrounding jealousy and ownership of people or things. It's, it's helpful, too. It's very sad. Mm hmm.
1: Uh, one question that I always like to kind of uh, end on with our guests is like, do you have any advice for folks who are listening who want to have a better like Zen practice? I was just asking an advice question in general, but like this and actually, I feel like you probably have people, you philosophers or whatever, like you could recommend or books.
0: Yeah, I like very much Alan Watts. So he's got a lot of talks on the YouTubes and stuff. Okay. It was the first one that I really got into and sort of broke through the, uh, the malaise that I was going through at the time. And then the new one I've been listening to is called uh, The Beginner's Mind. That's a good one where it just is very much about, you know, never thinking you're a master or you can never be a master unless you always have this beginner's mind of constant openness. And like the second you think, you know, what you're doing is when you kind of lose everything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> uh, and then there's the, uh, the, Tao, the Tao Te Ching. So that's T-A-O-T-E-C-H-I-N-G. That's, that's sort of a basic intro into like Buddhism and, and some Zen. Uh, so those are both really big. Uh, I think for me, it's just like, you know, you got to free yourself from trying so hard you got, the first step is just to release all this pressure from having to be better. Um, and then you will just naturally become more, this is like an organic process of, you know, what was it? There's, um, there's one saying where it's, it's not about adding things. It's about shedding things. So stop mm-hmm. trying to like add, 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 add. And there was something from Michelangelo where he's, he's gets this big block of marble and, someone said, well, how do you, uh, why did you carve this, why did you carve this being? And he said, well, I saw the angel trapped in the marble and I had to set it free. Mm -hmm. So it's more about detaching these different mentalities and conditionings that we've been uh, uh, put upon us and that we should not feel guilty about having those things put upon us. But instead of adding more weight onto our backs that you have to take off these things, take off these, uh, you know, heavy things that have been put on our arms and legs and cut the strings and just to let go of the thoughts and just, you know, meditate more and just release the bells and release the steam into the air. Like you just don't need it. Uh, and yeah, uh,
1: yeah i think that's a lot of really good advice i like that so thank you so much for coming on the pod this was a really interesting conversation and when you had said suggested the idea of zen and polyamory i was like oh i don't even know what you would mean by that but that's cool like let's talk about
0: it (laughs) yeah you said most people talk about like heavy stuff
1: yeah the fighting basically or the problems the The problems you know yeah
0: yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. Yeah, so so a nice little uh, um
1: Break from that sort of, although we did talk about that a lot. So. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah,
0: too. But I think yeah, adding Zen does help a lot of that just kind of resolve itself in voice. Yeah. ways. Yeah. Oh well,
1: yeah. Um, thank
0: you, Lindsay. It's very nice to be with you, talk with you.
1: Yeah, this was lovely. Yeah. Have a good one. Bye. Bye, bye. And that is it from us at Polyamory Uncensored. We have been Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams. We'd like to thank podcast husband Rob for being our sound engineer. And thank you, Lindsay, for editing this podcast so that we sound smart. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Polyamory Uncensored.
0: Contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com if you have a listener question or a comment. And if you'd like to support
1: us at all, you can send us a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash polyamoryuncensored and simply click on the support this podcast button. If you'd like to support the podcast
0: with a one-time contribution, we've set up a PayPal link to make it super easy. Thank you for your support in any amount at paypal.me slash
1: We hope you have enjoyed this episode and remember,
0: we love you. Bye.